Hey everybody, welcome to The Afterword. I'm Dave Tish. You know, it's almost Christmas, almost Christmas. There's just one shopping week left until the big day. And as a result, we have been focusing for the last couple of weeks on the nativity, rightly so, and reflecting on what it means in a variety of different ways. And this week we've focused on the kind of the problem that the nativity solves and the gift that it is. So a lot of times theologians will say that, you know, the gift of Christmas or the gift of Jesus, why is it a gift and what kind of gift is it? And uh, more importantly, if it's a practical gift, what practical solution does it solve? What was God trying to do with this gift? So this week we're going to take a look at that. I've got Jay Kim and Andy Gridley here to talk about that. Very interesting stuff. And uh, we're going to delve into, uh, we're going to delve into that. Speaking of gifts, you know who's a gift? Celine Dion. Her voice is a gift to us. So before we dive in, I'm going to have Celine Dion sing something to us from her Christmas album, which will be her gift to us. Before we work, I gotta get this off. See the other family members and drop gifts off. Then I'm headed to the studio, cause ain't nothing stopping. How you know we about to turn it up and really get it popping now? People everywhere and all our Twitter followers. Merry Christmas, Kwanzaa, Happy Hanukkah! Whoops, sorry, that was Buster Rhymes. I, I get those two confused in my, in my head. Okay. Here's here's Celine. Well, hey, everybody. Andy, Jay, welcome. Yes. Hi. Now, before we go any further, it's the holiday season. It's the holiday season. I knew you were going to start singing that. (laughs) I knew it. I I read up. I, I, I feel like I, I beat you. I, be bitty bop. That's the down. <laughs> I, beat I knew that was going to happen, man. I knew it right up. Like, just right so when you had a big out. moment in your household, Jay. Me? Yeah, you had a big moment. What was it? I don't. Well, you po- you sent me a video. You and your family uh, watched for the very first time. Oh, yeah, my kids. Uh, yeah, cute. watch Home Alone. Yep. That is an epic moment. Yes. When a little boy first sees Home Alone. Yeah, it was also a mistake. I forgot that there's that just utter violence of that guy it's like the you filthy animals and shoots oh yeah up the joint. i totally uh-huh. forgot yeah. about that. the mobster scene and now my son just pretends he's got a tommy gun yeah he, yeah yeah <laughs> it's a parenting fail i forgot that that scene was in there did, did he laugh like so hard that he almost peed yeah they love it it's they un- talk about it all the time now. it's unbelievable yeah yeah why is it so i mean my, when, i remember when justice watched it at six five or six or whatever it was. Yeah. And, and Simon's probably about that age. He's five. Yeah. 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 So same age. He laughed so hard. I like it was, it was pure joy. Yeah. It was, I mean, it's the, ti- it's a timeless movie at this point. It's sure. so good. It's, it's still I'm, good. Yeah. And home alone. So the following week weekend, they get to watch movies on Fridays or Saturdays. Uh, they watch home alone too. Mm. Oh, so now they've seen home alone too. I hear New, three New is York. terrible. Now we're not yeah. going to show them three. It's just one and two are the only. Yeah. Two is also very good. Yeah. By the way, it's where he's holed up in the old abandoned in building. York. 
No, well, the hotel. The hotel and, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's then awesome. He, and he creates his own awesome. new booby booby traps. My my wife actually, when I watched this movie, I was like, "There's no way you could ever forget a child and and travel." And she goes, "Well, there's a story. When I was a baby, I'm one of five, what? and my dad was in a hurry. Oh no, got everyone in the car, went off to a holiday party, and got there, and then his mom, her mom's like, "Where's where's Lindsay?" Oh my gosh! And she was at home. Yeah, but sleeping safe. Like what a, was she? Like a big oh infant? Goodness. Yeah, she's like, like car seat. Yeah. <laughs> wow, <laughs> guys, it really well, happens. That's well, crazy. it is kind of like a portable piece of luggage at that point, right? If it's if the baby's sleeping and you got a lot on your mind, Dude, you got a lot of kids. Crazy. You're buckling multiple kids in. You're just going. You're late. I mean, imagine the panic when they realize though. That's crazy. It's, it's real. Holy smokes. Yeah, that's a pretty high level of panic. That's level. T- that's like level nine panic. Yeah, there's not imminent danger because you know they're probably sleeping. No, and but they're still, man. In. That, but still, that's yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Well, I'm glad she made it. Me too. Andy. I'm, I'm glad too. <laughs> and I think Moses and Magnolia are happy as well. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite holiday movie, Andy? I I liked that Ralphie one. For oh some yeah, reason. yeah, the Christmas story. Yeah, Christmas story. With yeah. The, the Red Rider. Red Rider. BB, BB yeah, gun. That one was. But also Home Alone, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a favorite one? Yeah, it's probably Home Alone. I mean, yeah. it's, it's great. What about you, Tish? Uh, Elf? No, it it's not, actually. It's, I love Elf, but it, it's... I, does it start with Die? <laughs> it does. It ends with Hard. Also uh, great. It, yeah, Die Hard's pretty great. We um, Justice and I will watch that this this holiday season. Yeah, it's awesome. It's, it's a very fun tradition that we have. It's hard to beat Home Alone. It really yeah. is. But I also, can I tell you my secret love? It's a little inappropriate. It's National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Oh, that's nice. so good. That movie makes me laugh. Like every year, I yes. forget how funny it is. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous and funny. Yes. So we were we were putting we were decorating the tree, and it's really sad because it's just JL and Nicole and I. So there's no justice, and it just didn't feel right. It mm. just uh, it's mm. ick because mm. he's he's actually on a is plane. Is it because you love justice more than JL? Nope. Sorry if you're listening. Nope. JL. Nope. <laughs> That is not the just weird the way you said that. <laughs> or is it because justice the can actually reach to the, the top family's of the not tree? It's incomplete. It's incomplete. Your dad loves you, JL. <laughs> we all do. He really does. <laughs> it's incomplete. The family. It's not. Yeah, right. I got you. It's. It's like. Uh, you it's, just. You said it funny. Yeah. Did I? I don't know. I don't think You're I said it funny. <laughs> it's like you know you got your 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 team and then a team member is missing. Yes. It's like the Warriors circa 2017 with no clay. It doesn't make sense. Mm doesn't make sense right but who's your staff is the question me i'm the staff <laughs> you're the staff yeah, yeah i'm, I'm the i'm the generational talent in the family yes. no yeah. <laughs> uh right. that denigrated uh pretty quickly hey yeah. um <laughs> listen <clears throat> so this past weekend um both of you guys you did something really interesting that i have and i got to see this kind of i get to observe this you did like a bit of a, a nativity we, we've been focusing on the nativity the first week was Oh my gosh, you can't believe how far he came, incarnation. Second week, oh my gosh, you can't believe how far he came, humility. But this week was a little bit different. This week, you kind of talked about why the nativity, and you did it through, you basically did a traipse through the entirety of Galatians. That was basically what you yeah. did. It was, uh, you basically said that Christmas is a, an actually a problem to be solved. So, so talk about that. Talk about what the problem was, and then... Uh, we're going to get into the, some of the specifics because there was some stuff you said I thought was really fascinating and interesting, and I got some questions. Mm. Yeah. Well, Paul, who wrote Galatians, makes he talks about the law, not just in Galatians. Throughout his letters, he talks about the law a lot. A lot. Uh, we don't have time to deep dive into 
all of that. But, you know, the short of it is the law. He calls it the guardian, you know, which is really interesting. Um, and we talked about that in the teaching. But the law, meaning the Old Testament laws, God's, you know, blueprint that he gives his people mm. for living life with him. Yeah. Um, a life of purity and righteousness, goodness and kindness, all those things, you know, um, justice and mercy, uh, a, a life of embodying um, God and and uh, God's design for, for life, you know, and for the world. But then there's like 613 of those laws. And no one, literally not a person on the planet has ever mm. abided perfectly by those laws, save one, you know, Jesus himself. Um, so we don't think about the old Testament laws when we think about Christmas or maybe ever typically. Yeah. But Christmas, Andy and I proposed that Christmas is actually a solution to that problem. Cause that's what Paul says that God sends a son born of a woman. That's Christmas, you know, that God does that to essentially free us, not from what the law intends to do in us, which is to make us a people um, that God has called us to be, but actually free us from that sort of impossible conundrum that we're supposed to abide perfectly by these laws. Now Jesus um, has done that on our behalf. So yeah, long story short, I think, that's why we landed on Galatia, that Galatians passage. Because Paul is making a Christmas point there. He says, Jesus, born of a woman. Mm. That's the Christmas story. And here's why he does it. So that we can be right with God and be adopted as his children. Um, even though we, in and of our, our own strength and ability, cannot possibly achieve or earn that status, Jesus, on our behalf, uh, makes a way. Yeah, I, I shared... I'm way less smart. So I shared this, um, this movie, since we're in kind of in the movies, when we talk about the impossible conundrum, I shared a, a, a famous line from a movie called Dumb and Dumber. Oh, yeah. Remember that? 94, all my 90s people out there. And there's um, a guy named Lloyd Christmas and Mary Swanson. <laughs> and basically the whole plot, he's just like, he just wants to be in relationship with Mary Swanson. He like... He's head over heels. She's way out of her league. Yeah, That's why so you're fun. saying there's a chance line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So he basically just says, "Is tell me, is there any way, anyway?" And and then she says, <laughs> "She's like, no. The chasm is, you cannot po possibly pass this. You know, what do you think the chances are of a guy like you and a girl like me ending up together?" Well, Lloyd, that's difficult to say, and we really don't... Hit me with it! Just give it to me straight! I came a long way just to see you, Mary. Just... least you can do is level with me. What are my chances? Not good. You mean not good like one out of a hundred? I'd say more like one out of a million. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah! And he's like, so, so you're, you're saying, saying there's, there's a, a chance. chance. Yeah, so. Which is awesome. Yeah. yeah. 
but we laugh because we know there's no way. And <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, what Jay's yeah. saying. And that's what Galatians is saying. It's just, there's the reality human story. We just, we just know even in our best days. It's so funny for me as a pastor, just the, the hypocrisy that I feel like I'll be up there, I'll preach and then I'll get in my car and I pull out and somebody like cuts me off and immediately I'm like, you know, and I can just sort of in one moment get close to knowing the, the love that Jesus embodies and, and calls me to. And the next moment I'm, I'm violating one of those 600 laws, 613 laws. And, um, I live both the hope that, uh, uh, that that's in me through Jesus, but I also live the reality without Jesus. Um, there's, there's no way for me to live up to those laws. Right. Yeah. So basically it's, it's not that the law is bad or righteousness is bad. That would be a weird thing to say because it's it, like you said, it's God's gift to his people and a a way to live. And it's about his character. It's the achieve and earn part, the perfectionism part. That's the, that's the real bomb that we're saddled under the, that's the the thing where ha- the anvil were handcuffed to in the ocean kind of feel. Is that kind of what the way you'd say it? Yeah, well, I think that's a big part of it. Um, but I would also juxtapose that against the reality that it's just not possible to achieve or to earn your way. Because what that would require is, is like you said, it's perfection. But that's not possible. Humans can't possibly mm-hmm. make that leap. You know, it's our, we have way worse a chance than Jim Carrey's character and dumb and dumber <laughs> with that with her, yeah, yeah. together with that. Yeah. <laughs> but doesn't well he get together with her at yeah, the end? At the end, she, eh, she swoons no, or something. He doesn't. No. I don't remember. I, I read the plot. No, she ends up being like married or something like that. I can't remember. Jeez. Yeah. How sad. Somebody I, who's listening. Please. I remember a snowball <laughs> fight where she like playfully threw rose yeah. a snowball fight and he like turns around and like like peltzer <laughs> full-on peltzer yeah <laughs> super funny yeah um so um you know one of the things you talked about and and just to, let me nerd out before we get pastoral is um mm. one of the things that galatians is kind of has an issue and we see it in acts 15 there's this group called the judaizers that come along and say no 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 you gotta keep the jewish law this new sect of Christianity is not separate from Christianity. It's actually Judaism with a Messiah. So you got to keep the law of circumcision and and all the other laws because it's so important. It's actually an offshoot of Judaism. And the council in Acts 15 actually says, uh, actually, it's 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 something different. It's something because we've now got Jews and Gentiles all swirling. God's doing something different. Mm. So it's kind of a whole new thing Mm. that they're kind of bringing into being. And Paul then goes even further in Galatians and says, actually the, the adoption of, of the being Abraham's sons is, is really awesome, but it's nothing compared to what God's actually offering us, which is adoption into his family. So he says the mark of Abraham was the circumcision, but the mark of Jesus's sonship is, is like acceptance of him and, um, so there's a new, a new marker for the family. Is that, or a new way into the family, a new, uh, how would you, how would you put it? How would you, how would you phrase that? Cause oh, circumcision used to be the mark, yeah. but it's external. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's, well, frankly, only for men, <laughs> yeah. right. And only for Jews. Yeah. So this new, this new family marker is accessible to everyone, regardless of gender or regardless of tribe or nation or race. So it's like a much better marker and it's something like 
allegiance to Jesus or following Jesus or wanting Jesus? How would you how would you put it? Well, I mean, I think one of the, the scripture passages that we were able to read through from Paul and Romans, other places, I think the mark would be his spirit. I think just right, right. So, um, whereas before the delineation was um, culturally, um, am I part of God's family? Right. There's this spiritual aspect to it, and and Paul says, like, man, under this this guardian, this taskman, like. We were all doing our best, but it's just that divide is way too far. So God, son, if, as we shared, like, man, if you put your faith and your trust, one of the first markers is he gives you his spirit so that you're actually empowered to live in the very way at a fundamental level we all want to live. We just can't. And so I would, I guess that's what comes to my well, mind. Well, Paul uses that language over and over again, spirit versus flesh, right? Yeah. This is one of his key dichotomies. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So kind of an acceptance of God's spirit. Um, yeah. How would... Any other? Way? No, I would. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I, I don't think Paul, Jesus himself says, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And I think Paul is pretty clear throughout his letters that he's not erasing right. the story of Israel. He's revealing because he believe it has been <coughs> revealed in Jesus, mm. sort of the story of Israel come to life to to fruition essentially so it's not a physical circumcision it's a circumcision by the spirit you know like yeah, yeah. that sort right. of idea yeah, yeah. that's well, all throughout paul's circumcision letters. of your heart is the language in stephen's big thing yeah 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 like right in in, in, uh, in, uh, in the book of acts yeah so kind of a different hey uh speaking of real quick just to clear this up the greek word that paul uses for guardian what pedagogos I, I yeah can't. it's the word from which we get i think the word pedagogos Pedagogy or yeah. pedagogy, yeah. Um, so you translated it kind of as a a, t- a teach, uh, like a, it's a guide, a teacher, a professor, one who looks over a king in the early days when, before they can become a king. Like these, these are all ways that this word was kind of used. So it's not a negative word, would you say? Would you say it's a negative word? No, it's not a negative word. So, no, but no. it's a guide word, and it's temporary. Well, no, I don't think it's temporary necessarily. But it's not kinship language. It's uh, not family. Yeah. So, so when it's when not you, a father. When you think about not. law, should we think it was good for a time and then it got replaced by something better? How how should we think about that word? The counselor, the guide of the law. Yeah, I mean, we should be careful not to stretch language or metaphors too sure. far. So it's not so much like okay, the law is my guardian, God is my father. I think the law played a particular role in the redemptive history of Israel. Right. We're talking. Yeah. yeah, Right. And Jesus came to fulfill the law. You know what I mean? So in some ways, I guess you could say, I mean, the way Paul is using it here, a guardian, um, like any minor in the Greco Roman world whose father passed, they would be put into the, um, they would be put under the authority or the care of a guardian, a legal guardian, which would, the father would have either named in their will or it would be, if not named in a will, then it would just be the next male in the family, you know, like yeah. the closest male relative, like an <laughs> uncle or whatever. Um, so the the key point I think Paul is making, though, is not necessarily the guardian, but like who we are in light of the guardian. So if somebody is my guardian, even like if mm. someone is my guardian, that means I am their like their minor, a minor in support, their care. care. Yeah. yeah. But in today, there's like all sorts of ways to think about that. 
in the Greco-Roman world, children in general, but particularly minors who were under the care of a guardian and not a parent, not a father, those children had like the same status as slaves, like indentured servants. And I think that's the key point Paul is making. And, and it's pretty clear in his language. Mm-hmm. Like we were yeah. enslaved mm-hmm. to X, Y, and Z, like the law or whatever. It's not saying the law was bad. Mm-hmm. It's like that relationship is the relationship of a guardian to a minor mm-hmm. or um, like a master to a slave. Mm-hmm. But uh, with God, that is not the relationship. Like we're children yeah. and he's our dad. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the key to understand. That's the problem Christmas mm-hmm. solves. Mm-hmm. Is that without that, um, we're yeah, we're indentured servants mm-hmm. that have to abide by X, Y, and Z in order to survive. That's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but because Christmas happened, because Jesus came, born of a woman, and made a made a way for us, we're we're sons and daughters now, and that's a totally different relationship. This this language, you said don't stretch the boundaries of some of these words, but this metaphor Paul wants us to reflect on, this mm-hmm. idea of adoption, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, of adoption. What I was saying I know, was right, you were not talking focusing about, on guardian. Uh, yeah, yes, like, yes, what yes, are yes. all the meanings of guardian? They had lots of meanings, yeah. but the way he's using it here is to juxtapose it against, like, you're not minors or slaves, you're kids right. with a dad. You know? So there's some real emotion in that, and that's the pastoral and... I think heartfelt aspect of this, mm-hmm. this this kind of metaphor or this analogy that Paul's using of fatherhood, mm-hmm. and so how did when you were teasing that out when you were thinking about that, Andy? How did that how did that kind of resonate with you, or what did you want people to, to think about that? Yeah, I don't know. If, I don't remember if I was there to share this on on the weekend, but um, w- one of the first things that came to my mind was just this axis, this idea of being an heir. You know, like now I'm, I'm um, invited in as a child into God's family. And I, I, like it, rem- it made me go back to a time. I, my, neither of my parents were college grads and we lived in a pretty wealthy area. So as I grew up, we, comparative to the families in town, they were all doing really, really well, going on crazy vacations or whatever. And um, I learned <laughs> to befriend my friend's family, not just my friend, but through my friend gain access to their family. And they would like take me on sweet vacations or I would get access into kind of a world I never had before. And, um, I, that's a selfish version of that, but, um, there is so much made available to us because of, of Jesus and trust and faith in Jesus that otherwise is there's no way to gain access to it so we talked about the fruit of the spirit i don't need a yacht i just need a friend with a yacht (laughs) exactly do either of you guys have a yacht i was a really good friend i was a really good friend i mean to the parents you know like we could trust to bring andy so there was snowboard trips and there was you know all kinds of things that were just not i didn't have access to right and um, that's a really stupid connection. Well, you also shared another story that was much deeper about, uh, what was it, Misha or something? Oh, yeah, yeah. from a book called The Pursuing God. Well, that was jo- Joshua Ryan Butler. Yeah, yeah, his book. Yeah, he shares it so well. Um, I'm not sure I could do it justice, but basically the, there was a foster child named Misha that he shares about, and she gets placed in a home, and because of the amount of abuse and challenge she's had, she's, she just struggles to trust anybody. Just acting out, yeah. yeah. Um, and specifically more so, t- so towards her new foster mom. She refuses to call her mom. And uh, at, at one point, the couple goes on a date just to refresh, catch their breath, come home. They think everything's all good. They go to their bedroom. 
the husband sees something. Misha's like acted out and he's like, oh no, wife sees it. Misha's written this. this She's like destroyed their bathroom. Yeah, with red lipstick. She's written F you all over the place. But but when the mom sees it, she doesn't start crying. She starts laughing and like belly laughing and tears. And the husband's like, what's wrong with you? You know, (laughs) and she says, look, she wrote F you mom. F you mom. She finally called me mom. Wow. You know, and I think there's this invitation, like Jesus has done all this work. Um, at some point we, by faith, have the choice whether or not we want to be children of God. He's made it available to us. Um, and we're a lot like Misha's where we kick and scream and push and, Man. you know, like, like under the, under the law, we, there's a resistance to want to just rest in and settle in and receive. And yet when we do, we get the full benefit of what it means to be a child, man, child of God. Yeah. Well, and as an adopted kid, the term adoption isn't like academic for me. Right. Wow, so, yeah. So there's that aspect of yeah, what it. What does it do for you? Well, it's, I, I mean, I know what it, I would have been in incredible poverty. Mm. You know, I would have been, I wouldn't have had any of the opportunities I had. I wouldn't have gone to school. Mm. I wouldn't have, I mean, there's a million things. Yeah. Um, mm. So, and it's not academic. Do you know what I mean? It's like that's so yeah. that that kind of makes sense to me. Yeah. What is it? I mean, what does it do for you that that term when you hear that we're adopted and the guy? What, what kind of stuff does it stir in you, Jay? Yeah, I mean, I think what it tells me is, in in the simplest sense, once we were not, now we are. Mm. You know, it's a little different than. Um, <clears throat> Uh, I am my mother's son. I've always been my mother's right. son right. since inception. You know, I was in her womb for nine months and then I was born into the world as her son. Adoption's really profound in that way. The language of it, you know, it's a reminder like I once was not, now I am. And um, that's true of us. And then depending on people's adoption stories, like pe- real people's adoption stories, whether yours or others listening, there's also the the potential risk of somebody saying like, oh, see, I'm adopted. I'm not really, you know, like there yeah, might yeah. be some of that. Um, but we have to understand here mm. that's not God's nature. You know, the, Paul doesn't use that imagery because he's trying to make some weird statement like you're not fully God's kids. <laughs> you know, that's not what's <laughs> right, happening. Right, right, right. Um, adoption in the ancient world, actually, even just culturally speaking, was like a blood bond sort of oath. It's it radical, was yeah. Pretty right. rare. It didn't happen that often. There wasn't like a system like there is today. There's no foster care, foster to adopt. You know that kind of thing did not happen. That's a really it's, helpful nuance. Yeah. So really, it was a um, and all the power in adoption, as is the case today in some ways, but even more so in the first century Greco-Roman world, all of the power was in the parent. Like it was all just a a willful act of sometimes it would be for like political allegiances or whatever, but it at its best, it was a willful act of love. Like I am making a blood bond oath. You are my son. You are my daughter. And everything I have is yours, which he Paul gets to about now your heirs. Right. Um, And he says that intentionally because he's trying to bridge that gap. It's Mm. like Mm. we're adopted. So are we actually heirs? The only way you could be an heir to your parents, whatever was blood. I mean, blood was a big deal back then, Mm. you know, like do I share not just any blood, like do I share 
the same blood in my veins as my father. Yeah. So like actually wow. the, the most important familial social bond in society was not in the ancient world at the time of Paul. It was actually not between um, spouses. Like today in our culture, it's like, man, you That's leave most, yeah. behind your family and you cleave and become one, the husband and yeah. the wife. The most important social bond in the Greco-Roman world at the time of Paul was actually between siblings who shared the same father because they believe that the blood that runs in your veins is what identifies you most closely as family. The only way you mm. could be an heir to your father's whatever he leaves behind was if you shared the same blood. Mm. So for Paul to say you've been adopted as children, but then he like makes the point like now you are heirs is essentially, wow. there's a lot here that yeah. we didn't have time to get into. Dude, that's right. good. It's all connected to like the blood of Christ shed for us. Now that blood flows in our veins. So yes, we're adopted. We were once outside the family of God, but now we're in the family of God. But we're adopted, meaning we are like in the family of God. Like his blood mm. flows through our veins and we are heirs to all that mm. is his, you know, his yeah. kingdom. So it's not like second rate citizen child you're yeah. like fully his son or his daughter that's helpful yeah that's yeah that's incredibly beautiful one more caveat i remember uh i was doing a lab or something and a woman came up to me and she she said let me tell you how this verse changed me and she was taiwanese and she was the firstborn daughter mm. and paul often uses language in his writings that we are like firstborn sons mm -hmm. and so some people are like well that's patriarchal or something she's like i think he's being intentional because as a firstborn daughter in a traditional Taiwanese culture, she was skipped over. Her brothers got all the attention, got all of, her brothers were the ones she goes, my dad would sit down and stare at my brothers and say, what are you dreaming about? What do you want to be? And I, she goes, I was never asked that question. Mm. The brothers were brought in and the father would like pour over them and say glowing things and be careful to give call out compliments. And, and that never happened for her because she was the daughter and they're like less valuable in the family. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so she was like skipped over like culturally for this mm. and like deeply hurt her. But then what happened is when Paul says firstborn sons, she's like, oh my gosh. So mm. for her, that was really deeply healing. Like God sees her like the most treasured heir, not in a patriarchal way, but as the most treasured heir. Mm. And I, and I was like, man, that was really interesting how mm -hmm. she, um, cause obviously that was just, uh, you know, something that often does happen in a lot of, a lot of cultures didn't value women, you know? No. So that was a, mm. the firstborn son was important, but the daughter, not so much. Mm. And so I think she was saying that was Paul was being intentional about mm. that. Uh, and I thought that was an interesting caveat yeah. for, for anyone who's adopted. It's not just like, Oh, you're a run to the litter or, you know, you're just right. in. Your favorite child. Your yeah. favorite child. Yeah, I hear that in both of your guys' comments. Just that high value, yeah, that high worth. Yeah, you asked earlier, how do you, you know, what what sets it apart? And we talked about the spirit being being a marker. I, you know, we also talk out of Galatians four six that God's spirit in us cries out, Abba, Father. I thought that's really an important piece too. Like a delineator for me. Like, am I really part of God's family when his spirit is in me? I know him in a different way. I know him as father in a different way. It's not just a kind of a generic term, dad, some authority figure, but a close familial kinship yeah. kind of thing. Mm. I, I love the way Jay put it. And we'll close with this. He said, yeah. Jesus's life and teachings are the embodied fulfillment of what the law pointed to yeah. a blameless life and complete belonging in God's family. It strikes me that the complete belonging in God family is like a heart thing, mm. and that leads to us wanting to be in close relationship 
and in, in a way that keeps helps us run toward righteousness and what the law wants to do in us because the heart work has been done and the fear is gone, the perfectionism is gone, the earning is gone, and now it's just love and familiar love. And it, it, it kind of feels like that's one of the, the fruits of what Paul's getting at. Yeah. Not just, and, and the fact that we have the spirit to enable and right. embody. So, yeah. but there's also a heart change with that spirit, yeah. like you said. Yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome stuff. Well, uh, one more week till Christmas. That's, yeah. can you believe it? Mm. One more week. Uh, that's, that's it. We'll see you at Christmas Eve, everybody. Yeah, it's Christmas gonna Eve. It's yeah. going to be exciting, it's gonna be big, awesome. exciting. It's going to be wild. <laughs> I don't know, wild. <laughs> no, it'll be great. What's the I'm wildest thing you've ever seen in a church service for Christmas Eve? Mm, like, I once saw an actual camel come on stage. Really? A real life camel. That's I think you win. That dude. is wild. Yeah. I was like, that's what it. is this? I was a camel. I'm like, how did you rent a camel? I've never wow. seen anything. You guys been to that? Uh, walk through Bethlehem. Yes, I have. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was Santa pretty cool. Clara, that church. The first, yeah. I think it's they first have like Baptist. Romans. Shout out to our friends at First Baptist yeah, Church. Of, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like legit. Yeah. So mm-hmm. and they have like different things will open up and like the Romans will come through and yell something or yeah, but the, real animals. That's why I yeah, thought of it. Yeah, like it's real legit animals. camels. Yeah, just everything donkeys. Like it's crazy. It's like yeah. transporting, being transported it's, back into first century. It is nuts. Yeah, and complete with the feces. I think I stepped in the donkey <laughs> turd. It's, it's very authentic, dude. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's an immersive experience. It was for my shoe. <laughs> <laughs> We hope you guys have an immersive experience. No, not that kind. No, it's really, and they had like stuff like you could like uh, little things for kids to do to like, you know, like activities. Yeah, totally. I think uh, our buddy Matt, who plays drums here, he and his family are here at Westgate now at Saratoga Mm -hmm. campus. Um, They were at, you know, First Baptist Santa Clara for many years. And I think he told me he played Joseph. Matt, Matt, if you're listening, I might be wrong on that. I think it was Joseph, though. He played Joseph for many years. Wow. So we have Joseph, Jesus' father, at our church. He plays drums. <laughs> nice. He's the little drummer boy. Uh, he went from Joseph to the little drummer boy. Uh, that's great news. All right. Well, thank you guys for being here. And uh, thank you. Merry almost Christmas. Yeah. And yeah. We'll, we will see you next week. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye. Just want to say thanks to Jake, Kim, and Andy Gridley for stopping by. Thanks, guys, for helping explain that and extra points to Andy Gridley for making use of dumb and dumber in a theological conversation. That's the first time that's been done. So excellent work there. Join us next week where we're going to be talking about Christmas Eve. And uh, we're very excited about that. And guys, it's almost Christmas. It's almost Christmas. We're very excited. So again, Christmas Eve service times um, are posted online. So check it out. Bring a friend, invite your neighbors, invite those that you Uh, are in your circle of influence, and we hope to see you on Christmas Eve. It's going to be a wonderful, family-friendly, candle-like service. So please invite your friends, invite your neighbors, invite those that you love, and it's going to be an awesome time. All right, well, we'll see you next week.